0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Venus and Vesta Evolutionary Astrology Podcast. Now, I, uh, as a Leo, am quite excited about the Leo full moon and the fact also that it comes straight after Pluto moves into Aquarius. And of course, Aquarius is opposite Leo and the full moon is created by the sun in Aquarius and the moon in Leo. So we've kind of got this double Aquarius thing moving happening with Pluto moving into Aquarius um, at the same time as the sun, which is now part of the full moon aspect. And of course, then the sun is also the ruler of Leo. And so it's in the opposition sign, which often means in detriment. And it but also the sun being here and this Leo full moon always brings us back to our heart and and all the things that we need to do in this Capricorn, recent Capricorn drive. And of course, we've still got the planets in Capricorn, soon to be the Venus, depending on when you listen to this Venus in Capricorn, Mercury and Mars and all in Capricorn, all kind of urging us to kind of into our success, into our drive for our goals. And here we're now moving into Aquarius, which is much more about the idealism and the support and, um, you know, working with, with the ideas and the theories and the concepts. And so here with the Leo full moon, we are reminded to bring it back to the heart centre, the heart chakra, to the heart itself, the physical heart as well. And I've been down a few rabbit holes recently where, you know, you see most of our sort of teachers, gurus, spiritual leaders, people on Instagram who are talking quite good sense are all saying that, you know, everything We can go down a few rabbit holes, but actually what we really need instead of chasing the darkness, chasing and finding out all about the horror is actually to bring it back to our heart, you know, and keep our vibration. We're personally responsible for that, personally responsible for our own vibration, our own frequency, and it all stems from the heart so here we are with this Leo full moon as a reminder of that whilst all the other planets and ideas and certainly the sun are all kind of pulling the other way and of course that is the paradox of the full moon and why the full moon is often more sort of dramatic than the new moon because the new moon is the sun and the moon together and when they're in opposition there is a pull either way but the moon wins in the full moon the moon wins So it is the Leo idea, the Leo Heart Centre that is the focus of all of our attention on the 25th of January. And I like that idea, you know, that everything is coming back to the heart. But what are you holding there? You know, what's going on in your heart? What are you truly wishing and thinking and feeling within your heart? Because, of course, that is what you're projecting and the saying that, you know, whatever's darkness you have in there, you know, get it out, put it somewhere where you can see it in your journaling, in your book, in your candlework, whatever you might be doing. Take it so you can recognize it and look at it and not just don't hold it within your physical paradigm, within your body. Because, of course, Uranus and Jupiter in Taurus are going to make you dig that out if you are holding it within your body and of course no wonder so many people are talking about being embodied while those planets are in Taurus which of course represents the body our body and mother gaia mother nature's body too the planet earth as if we are all one and working together in a physical manifest world so as i mentioned that these um the planets in Capricorn and the fact that Pluto and the sun are now in Aquarius, it's kind of bringing us a very strong mind dynamic and, you know, working, at, you know, what at what we're operating with in our worlds. But of course, you know, really the idea of Aquarius brings us back to the mind. Yes, especially after Capricorn, but really it's our consciousness and Aquarius as the symbol of Aquarius is a man and it's the only man in the zodiac because really the Gemini twins are kind of little babies and um, a, a Virgo is a woman and representing the feminine Aquarius isn't representing the masculine he's representing mankind and holding the water. And if you think of water as being symbolic of our emotional flow and it's got to flow. And so our consciousness here is flowing and that's what it's really representing and it's it's mankind and our consciousness and how we are evolving in this in this current earth era how is Earth. And as I've just said, all of us together, the earth and mankind with a consciousness, a consciousness within the earth, within every cell of our bodies and with every, in everything that we touch and feel and recognize in our outside world has the consciousness. And of course, we see that in a, in a 3D sense. People don't believe there's a consciousness in other things, but but actually in a shamanic sense, we do recognize those objects do have their own emanation of consciousness. Too. And I think that's been proven as well. Also, you know, a consciousness isn't situated in the brain necessarily um, going into the quantum fields that maybe there there is the super consciousness, the, uh, the group consciousness as well. It's not a individual thing in each of our brains and also consciousness coming from the cosmos. And so that the more we meditate, the more still our sort of brain surface is in order to receive cosmic emanations and this is all Aquarian ideals but here now Leo you know with you know as much as there is powerful initiations really powerful initiations going on in Aquarius which I believe are opening us up completely into the next dimensional paradigm we've got this sense of let's bring it back to Leo let's bring it back to our love to our hearts and what we are loving and how we are loving and how we are not loving. What blocks are there to loving in our best possible way? But, you know, so we we are bringing it back to the heart, but and your love vibe. But before you do, I think it'd be a good exercise for all of us to look at where Pluto is in your own birth chart, in your natal chart and maybe in your secondary progressed chart too. see me if you want to know more about that. But because it is uh, the chart that has progressed in your life to become the evolution of who you are. But your natal chart is still the blueprint. And it is really good to look at where your Pluto is in your natal chart, because whatever it's doing there, it's the power that perhaps you've had to learn, the power that you've perhaps had to given away before you've recognised it and pulled it back. It's the... um, you know, your karmic sense of this is how I need my soul needs to evolve in this lifetime. Ain't no doubt about that. So wherever Pluto is in your chart is now going to have a dynamic shift because Pluto is shift has shift, has shifted and will shift further again this year and was shifting last year. So we are all receiving this soul sense of this is now we're going on to the next level. So you can have a look in your chart and see what area that is going to be shifting most. So if you are a baby boomer, you're going to have Pluto in Leo. And that takes us right up from 1938 to 1964. Those are the baby boomers that call it baby boomers, because they're born after the war when there was a huge baby boom. I think that's rather, I'd like to look at that, the data on that, because what is it, 20%, 40% of the men came back. So to father that baby boom. Anyway, but also it was the era of Hollywood. And this is Leo. This is the drama. This is the superstardom of all those Hollywood icons. We kind of needed those iconic people to look up to, to bring us out of that horrendous period, the very dark period of the two wars. So this was like the big and also the wars were caused by big, overblown, egotistical leadership. Ain't no doubt about that. So that's the baby boomers. So if you're born up to 1964, you're a baby boomer. Gen X. Gen X had Pluto in Virgo. And Virgo, as I say, is the female. But it's also about female emancipation here with Pluto. It was really developing the idea of the feminine on, you know, so Pluto comes. Wherever Pluto comes, it's going to empower that area. Just like it empowered the Leo sense to really get us the one, the leader's. That we perhaps didn't want, and perhaps all the Hollywood superstars. So Virgo moving into, uh, sorry, Pluto moving into Virgo is going to empower the feminine, empower fertility, empower all those ideas about the generation of, of how we nourish ourselves and healthcare, and of course in that we got the the mid nineteen sixties with the Pluto in Virgo, we got the pill the contraceptive pill and um that freed women up immensely from that domestic sense um and so that she could live more of a life and choose her life a lot more but so that you can see how powerful Pluto is to come in and bring that along and power up the fertility and the healthcare for women but also where Pluto is it's also going to then show the darkness and the corruption because of course that The contraceptive pill looked like the golden treasure for humanity to allow so much freedom and choice. But it always has a darker side with Pluto. Well, Well, the darker side is shown, the underbelly is shown because here they tested the pill. Well, they first they wanted that pill to... Um, they wanted a pill to sterilize the poorer communities and they tested it on these women in Costa Rica. And they, it, the data shows that they ignored so many women who were getting um, kind of really bad migraines and um, various really quite chronic illnesses. And they ignored them, ignored them and went, this is working before they released it and they were this is amazing for the general population but really in essence it, there was a darkness behind it where they were te- the way they were testing it and the reasons they were bringing this um the pill to humanity and of course the more we got that higher sense of the pill the children after that who were going yeah I can do anything within acting like lads the laddism era as well you know actually thinking that you could be free and sleep with as many or as whoever you would like being told that as a as for me and as as a teenager I was told you can that's it's equal you can do what you like but actually very much so this is this was a massive lie that the pill kind of brought about that you know that we understood as sex has actually quite been open and free and that's a lot to do with the 70s as well the next era the and the Sagittarius era but you know, that we then had to understand in that Virgo sense that sex is sacred and it's not something that you, unless you're really, unless you want to go there, I think 99% of people, it's a sacred act and should be treated with so much more diligence and due care and, um, and, and love and heart-centeredness because we took the, the, Heart centred right out of sex during Virgo, Pluto in Virgo. And then, of course, we have had since since Pluto in Virgo with our health and um, putting all those synthetic hormones into the water system. I mean, tons of it being peed into the water system and it's the same water system. They don't unless you've got some double helix thing in your home. That those synthetic hormones don't get washed out. The Brita water filter doesn't really get out rid of all those hormones. And of course, the the frogs change sex when they've got tons of estrogen, progesterone into the water. And so look what's happening with us. Are we surprised? But of course, when Pluto was in Virgo, halfway through, they had the Pluto-Uranus conjunction that was 65, 66. So that was right at the beginning of this, um, the Gen, Gen X period. And that was like, this was a huge conjunction. It was like absolutely revolutionary because Uranus here comes along. They're both kind of evolutionary, revolutionary. Pluto is the evolution, the slow evolution that, that has to happen. It can't stay the same. But Uranus comes along with thunderbolts and goes, there you are. Let's have some chaos to shake things up. So Pluto and Uranus, that conjunction mid 60s is such a powerful kind of start initiation for Gen X, but also for Pluto in Virgo before they then moved into Pluto in Libra. And you can see how this is going because Libra is obviously about relationships. And we had to completely redefine them in this era because, of course, we'd had so much more empowerment of women with Pluto in Virgo and so this is the shift that was happening and it, of course sw- swings one way before it can come back and be rebalanced and pluto moved into libra in 1972 and of course with libra in, and from 1972 through to the 80s which includes uh, gen the start of end of gen x and the start of gen y which are also the millennials um which really starts around 198 early 1980s um With Pluto in Libra, suddenly we were allowed or it became much more acceptable to to be divorced or get a divorce. I mean, you could before, but it was slightly frowned upon. And I remember my mother going out in the 80s and she was actually going to a widows and divorcees um, or singles. It was singles and divorcees. Actually, my aunt goes to a widows and divorcees club at her church I mean it's such an archaic way to f- call someone a divorcee in a whole group of people in a social setting <laughs> when they're just really single again but anyway that was the whole idea in the 1970s and onwards people did the, the whole relationship thing did get um, relationships did get redefined and also the idea of you can marry same-sex partnerships as well became much more acceptable So we have that to thank as well for Pluto in Libra. But really, there was a whole scale definition here. And perhaps also maybe there was the idea that, you know, it was swinging so far that women were told that they could have it all. But actually meant that meant doing it all as well. And then. We go move into Pluto in Scorpio after that, and that those are the Millennials, Gen Y, and that was a lot. Nineteen eighty four onwards, that was kind of people understanding their personal power and really going for things. It was like Gordon Gecko era, slightly greedy, maybe money, power, the boom and bust of the eighties, and really sort of read. You know, I think understanding or playing with darker aspects of fashion, and um, yeah, really feeling the energy of things a lot more and understanding the underworld or the underground movement where we had quite a lot of sort of underground clubs and it was quite cool to go to somewhere where no one could do and also house not house parties warehouse parties where you started going to which were completely underground and away from away from the mainstream really this was like a whole scale divorce from mainstream ideas of enjoying yourself And then we go Pluto in Sag 1995. And this is rather the restless, unfocused Gen Z. And of course, that, you know, Pluto in in Sagittarius, you know, took the underground parties and went full scale raves. um, And leading up to the year 2000, where people were like, yeah, party like it's 1999. That whole rave culture was completely, you know, into the excess of it all and the freedom of it all. I have a friend who actually completely always mentions got FOMO about not being able to party in the 1990s. And of course, you know, you know, if you were part of that, it was a it was a fun time to be part of. But that was the Sagittarius um, and really bringing that whole ladism out for women as well. Remember the lads magazines, the, um, the, you know, everyone putting it out there on the front cover of a magazine which was almost, it has died now, it just wouldn't exist in our current culture that whole idea of, of those lads' magazines. And of course, the banking, they went in, they were taking too many risks and they were doing excessive banking loans. Um, and that caused the financial crash because it just all got too much, which that brought us to the crash. And then Pluto in Capricorn, where immediately we had this severe austerity to get us out of the crash, the Sagittarian crash from 2008 onwards. And of course, we did need this restraint after that, but it's 15 years and that restraint and that control has slowly grown in in, insidious growth of top heavy and now dictatorship. Dictatorship of people that are elected that go too far or the unelected officials getting together um, and organising themselves to decide how we have to behave and curtailing our freedoms. We're not even in aust- well, kind of going back to austerity but, austerity, but spending money on war unannounced and unapproved. Our prime minister went ahead and um, they bombed the Yemen without even bringing it to the Senate or to Parliament. They just went ahead and did it. How dare they? But that is the excessive kind of end of the Capricorn getting too much power, getting too much authority, even when it hasn't been given. So what I'm really saying here is that Pluto does arrive and we just don't get a sense of what it's really giving power to or, or a small sense of that. But then it starts to grow and it's like it's like a poison. A little bit of it might cure you definitely but then it just gets too much and if you're not careful if you are not careful if you are not wise to it it can go into the huge poison that kills and it doesn't end well and you can almost say like you know these these phrases that you can't have too much of a good thing and with pluto that's utterly true or the idea that power corrupts and obviously that is very true of the capricorn era so this this poison of Pluto, it is it is super powerful and it will help you. But you have to learn to only allow it in small doses and you hold it, um, hold the reins so it doesn't run away with you. And you have to learn the discernment because it can get too much. It's like a little bit of nuclear power in your hands and you have to go. I'm only going to use it here and I'm not going to blast myself and everyone with it because it, it is at that blasting everything, everything goes. So here we now in Aquarius where mankind, where our consciousness, where humanity is going to get a massive wake up. And so, yes, look at where Pluto is in your chart and know that this is an area that you may have been disempowered completely that maybe you've given your power away in this area or not recognize that that is your area that you can really learn from and really grow in estimation in and and resolve some of your karmic issues because this is pluto holding on to our subconscious that we don't recognize often that what well, the subconscious being far more powerful than the conscious so it's what are we thinking or feeling that we're not necessarily being aware of what are the voices in our head that are telling ourselves whatever they're telling and this can obviously be a huge part of self-sabotage so there is a huge lesson to learn wherever that is you've probably been learning it for a long time and grappling with it for a long time and of course i'm i'm feeling it (laughs) i have pluto in my 12th house so it's going to Anything in the 12th house is hidden. It's not easily accessed and the 12th house is the subconscious. But this is right beside my ascendant. So conjunct my ascendant, conjunct Uranus. And now Pluto in the transit at the end of Capricorn is now in opposition to my Mars. So I'm really feeling this. And Pluto in Capricorn opposite Mars, I've been experiencing a lot of bullying and and of course, this bullet, this whole aspect, it with Pluto sitting on um, or sitting opposite my Mars is actually sitting on my mother's Mars opposite her Pluto. And that's another thing. It's very rare in our generation because Pluto has moved quite fast on this last um, 80 years. My mother, who's 88, is actually having a Pluto opposition so that's quite rare because obviously with it takes 246 years to go round, hardly any we don't normally get at opposition. I've had a Pluto trine Pluto as well. So so um yeah, we're having these um I'm I'm having experiencing this viscerally, this end, the 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 shift. So <clears throat> I'm really hoping that this shift really brings about um some uh, my understanding uh, of of my personal power, but also of the idea of where I'm giving it away to people who don't deserve it hmm. and um, are hitting me on the head with it, basically. So I've been looking forward to this shift. And as this shift happens, then comes the Leo full moon. So I'm I'm very happy about this aspect and this process and really happy about the the Leo full moon, to bring us a sense of what is really going on for ourselves. And yeah, what a lovely, inspiring, open-hearted full moon it is. It is time to tap into our heart's desires and even have some flirty fun with all the planets, The all the other planets are in Capricorn. So it is about time that we had a little bit of fun because Christmas wasn't that fun. And we have been talking about what our goals are, what we want to achieve moving forward. And also the full moon in Leo its really timed for always Valentine's Day is really timed for the full moon in Leo. And perhaps this is the pagan holiday and the full moon in Leo, so, you know, it's, it's early in Leo. It's five degrees Leo. So often it will happen later in the month to really bring about a loving Valentine's Day. So this is our sort of astrological Valentine's Day, if you like, a pagan full on heart festival. And in my town there's um there's a there's a Valentine post box and Valentine Lamp Post. The the same thing. It's a post box with a um a, a lamp, an old fashioned lamp on the top, and it's decorated and it's and it's rather beautiful actually. And um I think I might have to post about this on Instagram or somewhere, but this lovely post box, um, every year there's a Valentine parade where the town council come along to light the Valentine. Um, lamp and there's a dedication by king george the fourth on this valentine lamp post post box um because you know post boxes usually have er or gr this is these have got gr george george, george king george's um Uh, initials on it because it's that old but I think that's a really sweet thing that our town actually has a little valentine parade to light this up and uh, words are spoken around it every year but really that's that that and that is at valentine's day but really is this the festival of valentine uh for the leo full moon in in essence or what we are really playing out So, again, you know, this full moon is going to be opposite the transitions that's just happened with the um, Pluto sun shift from Capricorn into Aquarius. The Leo full moon is going to be virtually opposite this. So, again, check where that is in your heart, too. And so remember, then you can bring a lot of more heart sense towards this shift and know that, you know, you've got to bring your heart's desire and involve that in whatever shift is happening in your life and that's where you're going to put some self love in put some grow some confidence if you can <laughs> yeah confidence coming from within coming from your heart center work on your personal shine and your smile because this is this is what is going to you know taking it to the real sense of how we progress and how we tolerate this shift the shift of our times and yeah, Pluto is coming for us. So on the opposite side of this. So it's better that we use this little piece of Leo sunshine to really augment, and enhance that. And the reason that I mention or urge you to make some fun, enjoy the sunshine, work on your own sunshine. And I don't mean the weather are the other aspects around this Leo full moon, which are quite incredible. And, and ultimately, they are heart opening opportunity. An opportunity for falling in love. That's great for Valentine's and for enhancing our whole emotional landscape in a really good way. And this obviously can involve an other person or people that you're people, persons you're already connected to, uh, a new person or even your self love. Definitely your self love here. So it's a really perfect time for a revamp of your loving style, your star quality and all those things that you show off to the world that make you who you are. So this Leo full moon on the 25th of January is happy and is loving. And to enhance it, this, the, the moon is in a square. The, the full moon in Leo at five degrees is square to Jupiter in Taurus at six degrees degrees and of course jupiter is expansive and supportive sometimes excessive so i quite like this square and of course jupiter is a benefic and and generally positively disposed always generally positively even too much though so. but of course it is in taurus and taurus is very central is very kind and supportive also um Taurus likes the creature comforts, the cuddles and the luxury too. It likes wealth. It's, it's about money too. And so we have this Leo full moon picking up on this sort of overgrown overwhelm of the Earth's Taurian richness, of money, of pleasure, of feeling good. So this is decidedly very good, maybe too good. And because this is a square, it's not a trine, it's a square. So it's quite, quite inspirational. It's kind of like it kind of gives it a kick or, or maybe there's a needling or an irritation. Is is it too much? Are we taking a risk here by by being too much by? But no, it's kind of urging us to go there, urging us, per, forcing us. The square is going, yeah, pick up on that. Sort the money out. Understand that you are your money, that your heart is what is going on your heart, whether that's lack, as it so often is, and and sorrow and turn it around because that is what is your big attractor. It's really the big kick that we kind of need. Yes, we might be going into excess and that's excess money, spending, uh, too much giving, too many treats, um, too much sex maybe. Um, And maybe the spending of the money gets out of hand so that that is the small caveat here. There is this kind of boost that could get out of hand. But I know you can watch that yourself. <laughs> um, but also on top of that, the moon, to, to to add to this caveat, the moon is making an inconjunct to Saturn in early uh, Pisces. An exact inconjunct because the, moon, the Saturn is at five degrees um, and Saturn is trying to do the right thing here. Saturn is restrictive. Um, And when it's in an Inconjunct, we're just going to ignore it. We're going to overlook the restriction here that Saturn might be kind of the austerity here that holding back on your emotions, holding back on Pisces things, which will be the um, the the idea that you could lose yourself here. And and we're just going to ignore it for the Leo full moon. Which is what a an inconjunct does. It's when they're not opposite and they're not in a trine. It's in between that. So, uh, if you do an opposition and move one of the planet or one of the over to the next sign, that's the inconjunct. So it's kind of an unusual angle within the chart. And of course, it's half of a yod here, but um which has just moved on. It was it was a yod to, with Leo, but it's just out of orb. So this is the warming. Um, So they are going to be naysayers within whatever you're doing to excess or enjoying yourself so much. But so the naysayers are there. They're there in the backgrounds, in the back of our minds, while we take a piece of pleasure for our hearts and for our beingness, enhancing our beingness. Um, But of course, as a Leo, I'm not necessarily going to... uh, um, heed the calls for restraint myself. And of course, it's in an inconjunct. So definitely that kind of gets ignored here to our peril. And however, on the same day of the Leo full moon, Mercury and Mars are in a, in uh, sorry, are getting together in mid Capricorn and they're getting together, one's overtaking the other, and they're having a conjunction. And Mars is absolutely kind of exalted in Capricorn and loves it in there. So really going, taking action, taking aligned action, you know, right action, right thoughts. And it's Mercury here that's bringing along the right thoughts. So this is stability and capability. So whatever gets said or the idea of what you are wanting to achieve with the Leo full moon, the self-love, the enhanced makeover, There is a drop of longevity and support here to consider. And so this this kind of conjunction of those two planets at the same time as the full moon, I think, is giving it um, the assurance that you can go ahead and do these things. Ignoring my heed for restraint. Indeed. And then there is further good news the next day. So within 24 hours of the full moon. And the full moon happens at uh, 1754 in the UK, so nearly six o'clock in the UK. So early morning America and uh, on the 26th, actually in the morning of the 26th in Australia. But so the this with the 26th going into the 27th for Australia, but the 26th for UK and um, America, our crazy and chaotic planet of surprises, Uranus, goes direct. And this is the this is the curveball style of Uranus and and of course Uranus is a bit freaky and whatever direction Uranus is going on is quite chaotic but really the day it changes direction is the curveball is the dynamic rip in the fabric of our earthly world our earthly manifest world here and of course Because that's Taurus, that's why I'm talking about the earthly world and our manifest world. That's where Uranus is operating at the moment. And so this switch straight after the full moon or within 24 hours of the full moon is a powerful kind of cut lightning bolt through through into our manifest world. Openings up to huge possibilities. This could either well, there's a few options here of what it's going to manifest here, but it's maybe too much bravado, too much bravado from our Leonine leaders, and perhaps then more bombs, more lightning strikes. And that could be, you know, devastating on, on the, the kind of worst side. But also there could be too much confidence, Leo confidence around the money markets, the Taurus side. And then there's an explosion of wealth potentially. Is there going to be a bull market? Does anyone know these bull markets? I don't really understand. But potentially massive payday here or a market drop. Although I see I don't see this as necessarily bad or catastrophic in the way in a financial way because we've got Jupiter there opening things up. But it is going to have to take We are actually going to have to take notice of this. This is a surprise roller coaster. And perhaps there's going to be too much bravado from our leaders, our unelected leaders, celebrities, people within the World Economic Forum, big industry, commercial interests. And even because it's Leo the Royals. um, So maybe they can think then that they can not necessarily the Royals, but the leaders definitely bring in the digital money. Maybe that's their opening for that, or maybe they're going to give all our taxes to Ukraine, Israel, whoever's next, just to spend money. So maybe there's billions of funding. Suddenly there's come out with another couple of billions so that they can deliver whatever operations that they're planning. So we might see some overblown excess operations going ahead here. But my kind of fourth idea of potential for this full moon is because there is so much openness here of the heart chakra and then this lightning bolt, this lightning bolt coming into a very physical area. I feel like there's a huge opening here for love. This is like the electrical fizz of your heart leaping. That Uranus comes in and goes, Kapow. And this amazing, you know, the butterflies in your stomach when you see someone, the coup de food, the love at first sight, the, when you've been hit by the love dart. This is really possible around this full moon and the day after. And I would say then a the couple of days, either side of those two. So an almost a whole week of possibilities of really heart opening sense of meeting someone or feeling something really powerful within yourself. So, this is me saying, <laughs> don't ignore the restraint. Go out and and feel it. Go out and feel all those sensations because your heart is going to be full with the Leo full moon, and of course Uranus is while it's is throwing thunderbolts. Um, so yeah, and maybe we're glad then of the Mercury Mars double act that's going on right in the middle of Capricorn to give us the stability here and make things actually happen in a serious way. So we want this full moon and the Uranus lightning bolt. We want it to happen in our personal lives, but perhaps we don't want it in to happen to people in positions of authority because another reason for this, why we'd want it not in positions of authority is now as Uranus goes direct, it's the last planet of all the planets to be in retrograde. So now now Uranus is moving forward. All the planets are moving forward. So we now have what is called an APDM, all planets in direct motion. And that always sounds so amazing. And of course, whatever planet is last to turn gives a flavour to the whole APDM period. And we have now got nearly nearly three months. We've got we've got the rest of January. So from the twenty sixth or another week, and we've got the whole of February and the whole of March for some crazy things to happen. Uranus is flavoring this flow of energy going forward. So this is the hazy days of making hay while the sun shines. We have the wind at our back and the road rising to meet us. Everyone does. You know, everyone that you want to be working and happening for, and also the things as I say, the governments, difficult people, big plans all get the encouragement and the flow, the unchecked flow. So it's like a forward thrust of everything we are working on and what is happening in our world. And of course, we have this huge expansion of our hearts. We have this huge expansion as well of our consciousness at the same time. So this is really kind of quite a powerful period to get things done, to manifest what you want. Um, And it's a positive drive for you to achieve things, to make things happen for you. So the APDM actually ends on April Fool's Day. What a day. April Fool's Day, 1st of April. And it's quite appropriate for that. And by then, I think we're going to be begging for a retrograde, begging for a little bit of stillness, potentially a little bit of reconsideration and maybe just a a tiny pause here, please, before we complete going on in such a vast fast proceedings and it's actually mercury here that puts the end to our fast progression misery if it is misery but so we suddenly get this check on April Fool's Day and I think you know maybe there's something going to happen on April Fool's Day everyone's releasing their press releases saying with jokes about what might happen and one of those things is going to be real one of those things is going oh my god I thought it was a joke um so April Fool's Day is going to be extra supercharged and you know perhaps we should all be thinking about how we can use that day uh the how we can use the cunning of Mercury to make some tricks happen to make some deliver some sleight of hand ourselves rather you know use that energy rather than gonna Like my last Mercury retrograde, I was telling everyone, don't fear the retrograde. And then I lost my computer for two weeks and um, then um, people were refusing to pay their bills. Mm -hmm. You know, so I really suffered at that last one. Please do look in your own chart about where these positions are happening. So on the 25th, we've got the full moon at five degrees, Leo. Look at that. Um, We've also got the shift. Where is the end of Capricorn and the beginning of Aquarius in your chart? And then for the Uranus direct, that's at 19 degrees Taurus. What have you got at 19 degrees that maybe could do with a bit of a boost too? So please let me know how it goes for you and um, whether your heart's desire gets delivered, realized or understood. So I'm going to send you all a big Leonine hug and see you in the next episode. Please do give me a follow. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you.